Today we're dedicating this podcast in memory of Alan Cowley. We're always going to talk about the Cambridge ecosystem and how supportive it is, and this has been demonstrated in the outpouring of support since the passing of Alan. His family has set up a GoFundMe page to help raise awareness around mental health, and we want to do our bit by sharing the message further to the Cambridge Tech Podcast audience. More details and available resources can be found in the show notes. Welcome to the Cambridge Tech Podcast, talking all things technology from the heart of the UK's tech capital. Here are your hosts, Faye Holland and James Parton. Hi, I'm James. Hello, I'm Faye. So we are here at the grand final of the 2022 Chris Abel Postdoc Business Plan Competition. These episodes are turning into my favourite, where we get to go out and about around Cambridge and go meet new people. It's also really exciting that when we get to meet very early stage businesses in Cambridge, that opportunity that we might be the people that see the Beatles in the local pub, and these people are going to turn into the next generation of superstars and unicorns for Cambridge. Uh, So in this episode, we're going to find a little bit more about the competition, the entrance, and at the end of the evening, we will announce who the winners are. We certainly are. So um, the order of proceedings is going to be Dr. Christine Martin, first of all, who's going to talk to us about the programme. We're then going to talk to each of the six finalists, ask them who they are and what it is that they've submitted into the business plan competition. There's then going to be the physical event, which we're going to sit in and, and, and listen to. And after the judges have finished their deliberations, we're then going to talk to Maximilian G, who is going to be announcing the winners for 2022. So let's get started by welcoming Dr. Christine Martin, Head of Cambridge Enterprise Seed Funds. Hi, Christine. Hi, thank you very much for having me. It's our pleasure. So why don't we get started by you telling us a little bit about the Chris Abel Postdoc Competition, how it came about and what it is. So the Chris Abel Postdoc Competition, which is now in its eighth year, came about to really encourage the postdocs of the university to get engaged and involved with entrepreneurship while they're here. There are something like 5,000 postdocs in the university, and it's a, a massive opportunity for them to develop their ideas and really lead in an entrepreneurial way. Because of course, the Cambridge ecosystem really does want to encourage the University of Cambridge employees, including the postdocs, to be entrepreneurial. And Chris Abel himself was a huge supporter of the postdocs of the university and also obviously very entrepreneurial himself. So what's what's Cambridge Enterprise's role in it? Who's your partners? Who else is involved? The postdoc competition is run between Cambridge Enterprise and the entrepreneurial postdocs of Cambridge. So collectively, uh, we market the competition. We try to encourage people to apply. Uh, We put together all of the events. And what happens is that the postdocs enter with a business plan and they're reviewed for the first time. And then we narrow it down to 12 entries. And those 12 entries all get a mentor. And that means that they can refine their value proposition, they can maybe better understand 
the development that they're going to need to go through in order to be investable and rework that plan and then they submit it again and along the way they also get some coaching on business model canvas the kind of things to understand by Ludo Chapman who's amazing and they also get some pitching coaching from Shai and he's amazing as well and this year for the first time we did a summer boot camp uh, and Debris organised four sessions over August and the semi-finalists got training from people like James Thomas and from some of the previous competition winners in understanding their customers, a little bit more on pitching, how to really articulate your value proposition, are you making a product, and all the kind of really fundamental foundational things you need to understand and be able to articulate in order to attract investment. There are always a lot of things that some of the researchers, the postdocs, it's not their natural area. It's not something that they're used to doing, you know, building a commercial plan, looking at business campus model, those types of things. Yes. And it's just a matter of thinking about things maybe in a different way. So it's it's not so complicated. Of course, any postdoc in Cambridge can get their head around it, but it is a matter of understanding what to get your head around. What do investors want to see? And, and a lot of the time when you first talk to somebody with a new technology Maybe 80% of their conversation will be about the granularity of the technology itself. But actually, oftentimes you need to switch that around and, and think, well, you know, if the technology is coming from the University of Cambridge, maybe the technology is going to be amazing anyway. But what you really want to hear is 80% about what is the business going to be? How is that technology actually going to have an impact globally, change people's lives, make money, make a return on investment, for example? It sounds like the, the final 12 already get a huge amount of support and mentoring and coaching, but we're obviously here with you on site tonight for the final. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about the, the, you know, the finalists and what they actually receive tonight, if they're one of the lucky three, and, and what happens from this point onwards? So we have three prizes, and the third prize is £5,000. It's provided by Oxbridge Angels. It's the first year that they've sponsored us, so we're very grateful. The second prize is £10,000, and that comes from Cambridge Innovation Capital. Mm. And then Cambridge Enterprise provide the first prize of £20,000. And each of these prizes is in the form of a convertible loan. It's very light touch. It's supposed to help the companies with their very first steps. And hopefully, uh, we'll stay in touch with all of them, and we'll potentially work with them going forward to help them develop their propositions, and maybe we'll invest in them again in the future. Mm. I guess this is the perfect early stage deal flow identification of, as part of your pipeline for Cambridge Enterprise. Yes, and it certainly does identify some of our deal flow of the future. I mean, um, of the companies which have been semi-finalists and finalists in the past, there's quite a collection of those now in our current portfolio. So companies like Porotex, Spirea, Farm Enable, 52 North Health, Robokay, Cambridge GAN devices, they've all been semi-finalists or finalists in the past, and they're all now in our current invested portfolio. That forms really a strong message in the, the marketing of the competition that, that our potential applicants can see that there's a real end game in terms of getting that investment further down the line. Yes, that's absolutely the case. And currently, um, we did a little bit of adding up earlier today, and the semi-finalists and finalists of the previous seven years have gone on to raise over £70 million in investment. Wow. 
That's really impressive. And to put that into context, when we did the same maths last year, uh, that was 26.3 million. Mm. So the the big step up is because some of the earlier companies, which have existed for you know four, five, six years at this point, mm. they're starting to raise their bigger rounds. Yeah, that's great. Really exciting. And we're just about to start interviewing the six people before they come and do their formal pitches. So thank you very much for your time. And we look forward to finding out who wins. Yes, so do I. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you. Hello, Samuel. Thanks for coming on to the show. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your degree and, and what, what you've done to this point? Mm-hmm. Hello, uh, I'm Samuel McDermott. I'm a postdoctoral researcher at the University of Cambridge. And I work between the physics department and the haematology department within the university. Fabulous. Tell us about AutoHeme then, which is uh, your business plan idea. Yes. So as part of our research for the last few years, we've been looking at automating diagnosis of malaria. So we designed this microscope and it was working very well in uh, clinics in Tanzania. But one of the things that we found out when we were collecting the images from the blood smears made by clinics in Tanzania was that they tended to be very inconsistent quality. And so that made the image analysis of these blood smears very difficult. So we took a step back and we thought, how can we make this whole process of malaria diagnosis uh, more accurate? And so I developed uh, with my PI Pietro Takuta a automated blood smearing device, and we have designed it specifically so that it can be manufactured in the countries where it's needed. So it's uh, manufactured using 3D printing, which is quite a, a mm-hmm. leapfrog manufacturing technology. It uses off-the-shelf components, and it can be uh, assembled using hand tools. And so this means that we're able to work with our partners in Tanzania, in Ethiopia, in Kenya, and they're able to manufacture the devices there. We believe that this is quite a disruptive model because it means that we are being a lot more of an inclusive innovator. We're being a lot more of a sustainable business. So we will work with the healthcare providers within these countries Uh to generate orders. We will then uh, work with our manufacturing partners to create the devices and distribute them in the country that they're needed. Have you actually had a prototype out in the field yet? Yes, so we we just started uh, field trials in Ethiopia with our partners at Bahedar University. Excellent. And Samuel, if I can just ask one question, what's the main benefit that you've received out of being involved in the program so far? Mm-hmm. So, I'm a physicist by training. Uh, the idea of creating a business was quite a new one for me. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of our purpose of our research is to create the the biggest form of impact. And so some of that impact is releasing devices in an open source nature, which we also do. But also for some countries, you also need to have the kind of sustainable business behind it. And so what this competition has been very useful for me is to learn how to create this sustainable, inclusive innovation, such that we are able to create the, the biggest impact around these devices. That's great. Well, all the best. Thank you. It's great to see you, Richard. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, and thanks for thanks for having me. So I'm uh, Richard Bethlehem. I'm currently a senior research associate here at Cambridge, um, where my work mainly focuses on large-scale neuroimaging, so looking at people's brains and how they change over time uh, and as we get older, essentially. It's great. And that's obviously led you to this business plan competition with the idea of brain charts. So can you tell us something about that? Yeah, so this has been a project that's that's probably been in the works for about six or seven years which basically started as a, as a conversation between me and a colleague that is also closely collaborating on this project uh, in the US. 
And that's basically saying we've been doing neuroimaging and we've been looking at brain scans for, for 10, 15 years together. And very little of that has actually translated into something that's actionable in a clinical setting or in a, or in a hospital even. And we really pondered why that might be the case. And we kind of came to the conclusion that simply because there isn't a sort of generalized standard measuring stick that you can actually use that's universal across all of the different places where they do brain scans. And so that's effectively what we set out to create. I think initially just as a research tool, but as we sort of started working on this project, we, we thought this is actually an interesting sort of business case as a way to sort of sustain the development of this uh, and really make it be adapted sort of globally and not just in, a, in an isolated research setting. And it's, it's interesting how you say how long it takes for these ideas to come to fruition. So what what was the approach that got you to respond to the Crisable competition? I mean, for us, like the reason it took this long is this is sort of a, a combination of events, really. Um, I think the, the first couple of years, we were really reliant on sort of data that we could find like openly, essentially sort of lying on the street, as it were. And that's what we started out with. And then Kind of when the pandemic happened, it was sort of a catalyst for our project because everyone realized we can no longer collect new data. We can't go out in the world to actually recruit people and do studies and, uh, and, and actually get these brain scans. So people started becoming more open, I think, to the idea of like, using what's already there and kind of collaborating to, to sort of create a, create a public framework. Uh, and I think we realized quite early on that this is it's quite a lot to take on for, for a few academics. And that it really needs a sort of like a commercial infrastructure behind it to make it sustainable in the long run. Also to not make it dependent on like an academic research grant here for a year or something else that 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 can only bridge like the gap until the next thing. And so quite early on, I think like about two years ago, we started thinking about like what could be the model for maybe like having some sort of commercial entity behind this to to keep driving the development and to sustain it and really push it into um, into a clinic, for example. And if you got as far as thinking how that's going to happen, because you've got this now huge database, how are you going to get it into the clinician's workflow? So we've actually already started piloting this to some extent. So we're now currently partnering both with, with biotech as well as pharma companies to see if we can further develop the specific use cases in their sort of proprietary data. So this is not data that's normally accessible. And in parallel, we're, we're kind of partnering with, with several sort of dementia clinics across the UK to see if this is something they can start using in their sort of clinical reporting and in their clinical discussion. Uh, and very recently, we had one of these sort of partners or collaborators come back to us and say, oh, look, we, we're now using this sort of reporting dashboard based on the models and based on the, the charts that you've created in our actual clinical discussion. So we, we can already see that this is happening, even though it's not... Like we still need to go through all the regulatory framework to actually right. make it make it happen in, in the real world. But we can clearly see that it is already being adopted sort of by clinicians as a as something that has potential to to go that way. Well, that's exciting. You look like you've traveled extensively as part of your career and had a lot of different experiences in different places. You've been in Cambridge now for around six years, is that right? I think in, in total, since my PhD, I've probably been here for about 11 years. Oh, 11 years? Yeah, okay, yeah. right. So, I mean, this is the Cambridge Tech Podcast. So I, I guess I have to ask you, how would you contrast the experience of Cambridge versus the other places you've been, especially in the context of you know, developing a business and, and, and thinking more entrepreneurially about your research and, and the opportunities that presents? Yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting question. I mean, it's not it's not something I think during my traveling, something that I've, I've thought about a lot. So I think a lot of my travels have always been as a researcher visit, visiting different institutes. And so my exposure yeah. has mainly been like, what is the academic climate like and how do people collaborate with each other? 
And I've always found that Cambridge is, has, has this very sort of nice atmosphere of being at the epicenter of a lot of developments. And it's very easy to sort of reach out to people and collaborate with people. And there's always a, an expert on whatever it is that you want to look at right around the corner, essentially. And so this commercial idea is like, it's a bit more recent. It's sort of the last two years, I should say, that mm. we've been really developing this. Um, but But our experience has really been like, the same effectively in Cambridge, like the experts on these are around the corner and a phone call yeah. or an email away. And we found very sort of, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a very easygoing discussion and it's been a very, again, it, it feels very collaborative. It doesn't feel like we're handing over our project to someone to then do something with it. It's a, it's very much a back and forth. Yeah. Um, I don't know how that is at other institutes, but I can imagine it doesn't always go as smoothly as, as our experience has been so far. Oh, I'm glad it's been a good one and uh, good luck for tonight. Thank you. So Xu Xing, thank you for joining us. Um, why don't you give us a little introduction about yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Junxing Wang. I am currently a Marie Curie International Fellow in the Department of Materials in the University of Cambridge. I came to Cambridge at this January, and uh, now I'm researching on the luminescent solar concentrators in the Rachel Evans Group. Excellent. Tell us then about your business plan idea, JW Glass. The JW glass, actually, it is not make glass, but actually it made composite film. And then this film can make your glass to be more intelligent. Usually the glass is just to make the light transmitted or to block the wind. But actually we made intelligent film directly attached to the glass and then to make it tunable, for example, the light into the room and the heat into the room. And also in the meantime, we can generate electricity by using a technique to convert the incoming sunlight into the electricity to be absorbed by the solar cells. So in a short is that we made a composite film which can generate electricity from the sunlight. But in the meantime, the electricity can be also power the film to make the light in the rooms or the heat in, in the room to be controlled. For example, in the summer, you want the light or the heat to be blocked. Mm. But in winter, you also want the indoor heat to be blocked to preserve more energy inside. So it's a kind of net zero project for the smart cities and for a better life. So the applications are in commercial and domestic buildings or other applications as well? The final target for the is the commercial buildings and yeah. also for the high-rise buildings because they all use glass. But now we want to go to a niche market, which is the greenhouse buildings. Interesting. And how did you find out about the program, about the Crisable Postdoc competition? And do you know of any other entrepreneurial programs within the university? So it started from maybe in this March, I received the uh, Impulse program, which is by Maxwell Center, mm. teach you how to do the entrepreneurship. So I was enrolled in that program. And during that program, I was know there is a Chris Abel competition. So I also applied that. And also not only the Impulse program, I also go to the Austrian to attend the IECT Hormann-Hauser program, which is a kind of training. And I also, during that program, I got a fellowship from the Global Incubator Network Austrian. So that's uh, a lot of things, a lot of people networking, I know more of the things. 
And I also know there is some other competition like the Trinity Breadfield competition. There is. Yeah, James yeah. knows that very well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah so applications I think, are open right now. So Yeah, I think the sure deadline is uh, at the end of this month. That's right, yeah. So yeah, I think yeah. I will probably also attend. Perfect. Or, That's great. Well, all the best this afternoon. Thanks a lot. Hi, Borong. Welcome to Cambridge Tech Podcast. Thank you. Yeah. Would you like to just introduce yourself? Okay, uh, I'm Boryong, a postdoc in Cambridge. So my background is power electronics and I got my PhD from Warwick University. So I joined the Cambridge Power Electronics Lab uh, since last year, summer. Okay, and your business plan is around something called PowerSense. Would you like to tell us about that? Yeah, yeah, of course. So uh, PowerSense is to provide an intelligent operation maintenance platform for renewable energy. Uh, to reduce the operating expense and improve the power generation. So basically, renewable energy is the uh, uh, most important role in the path to net zero emissions. And so currently, 20% uh, of global electricity is supplied by renewable energy. But the operating expense of renewable energy is quite high. Like uh, currently, 50 billions of dollars are spent on the operation maintenance every year, comprising like one third of total capital cost. And uh, there's another 50 billion of production loss it also caused due to the high downtime and untimely maintenance. But there, there are already a lot of sensors installed in the equipment, but they are wasted. So currently there's no solution to monitor the health condition of the renewable energy system online. But uh, so PowerSense, what it's doing to provide an intelligent operation maintenance platform to provide a predictive maintenance for the users. So we only collect the raw data from already installed sensors and, and using machine learning and AI technology to predict if there will be any potential fault happens. So we will help the customer identify fault and uh, optimize the maintenance window to fix it. So this will save a lot of cost and save the, the energy. Yeah. So it's interesting, isn't it? I guess my thought is in terms of the solution, was it the environmental need that was the motivation for the business plan or was it because you knew you could make the technology work? Oh, there's already a need from the, the business, from the companies like the, the GE or Siemens. They have spent a lot of money on the maintenance. So what we are doing is to do the condition monitoring for the equipment. So this can help them to save the money. Okay, and do you have a product already? Is yes, we have a prototype and our proof of concept has been already uh, validated on a commercial offshore wind farm. And the results quite amazing. We have detected like a three times more potential fault and prevented one catastrophic failure compared with their current solution. And based on our cost benefit analysis, we can save the cost by 80% and increase the power generation by 2% as well. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. So you say you've been in Cambridge now for a year. As a budding entrepreneur yourself, how would you describe the environment inside the university? Is it very supportive? Is it encouraging students to be entrepreneurs? Yeah, yeah it's amazing. The atmosphere uh, in Cambridge is amazing. So I never thought about the uh, startup before I came into Cambridge. Right. And yeah, there's a lot of like the uh, entrepreneurship program, like the impulse in Maxwell Center and also the Cambridge Enterprise. They are very supportive. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah. the whole process. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. It's good to hear. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
Joining us now is Jan Stoffel. Jan, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, hello, my name is Jan. I'm from Czech Republic, but I've been in Cambridge since 2010 and uh, now working at the Department of Psychiatry. Thank you. Can you tell us about what you've submitted for the business plan with Cambridge Adaptive Testing? So mental health is a global concern. Uh, basically 20% of people in the UK would benefit from some kind of mental health support. But we know that at the moment, it's very difficult to measure mental health um, in, uh, in organizations. That you know, They can measure it in mental health setting when they have a lot of time, but not in organizations. And this is because the uh, mental health questionnaires are simply too long. There are also too many of them. For depression, for example, you can choose from 280 questions. Right. So which one the organization should choose? And also there are very few data collection tools available for organizations. So our approach is that instead of using fixed line questionnaires, we pool questions from existing questionnaires into large repositories. And then we apply an algorithm that smartly selects only few of them that are administered to each person. And we also developed a dashboard, which is an online tool that organizations can use to distribute assessment, collect data, and create bespoke reports. But the core of our innovation is really uh, the adaptive testing technology. So basically, our repositories of questions contain hundreds of questions and adaptive testing that have been previously tested by thousands of people. And adaptive testing uses information from this testing in combination with person's responses to instantly identify the next most informative question for that person, avoid the less relevant ones. Right. So with, with this innovation, each person gets only a very small and tailored set of questions. So this makes our assessment personalized, precise, and much more efficient compared to traditional questionnaires. So our assessment can be done under a minute. So we already have like uh, developed two transdiagnostic screening platforms, one for children that can be used at, uh, in schools and one for adults that can be used across a wide range of organizations. I mean, it's, it's definitely a huge need um, out there. So you, you mentioned organizations a few times. Who is this targeted at? Are you looking at the NHS or is it, is it someone else? Yeah, so we have few stages. So at the moment, with our Artemis, which is a product for schools, we obviously target schools, secondary schools in particular. And with uh, How Are You, which is our other product, we basically uh, target at the moment uh, hospitals. We're working with Addenbrooke's uh, Hospital already. They are interested in, you know, mapping hotspots and cold spots of mental health across their workforce. We also target basically private companies as well that would be that are interested to address mental health issue improve it and I, I guess then the benefits of adopting the technology would be improved accuracy maybe improving the amount of diagnosis that the organizations can make compared to traditional methods well that's one but mostly it is because at the moment the mental health assessment really takes 15 minutes to 60 minutes to one hour yeah uh, an hour is done within a minute right so, that's the, that's the speed that really facilitates the use in the sector. Okay, interesting. So when you think about participation in today's competition, what would you say the most important connection you've made in the Cambridge ecosystem has been through, through this process? Well, it is Cambridge enterprise actually, because they, right. we as academics are completely naive about business, I must say. Uh, so they really help us to guide us through the process of how 
you know, to make come from the product and actually bring it to the market. Yeah. So that was super helpful. And this competition in particular was super helpful because it allowed us to focus on business plan and financial forecast and, and this kind of things that yeah. we normally we have procrastinated for quite a while. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thanks for spending the time with us today and, and good luck for today. Oh, thank you very much. Last but not least, Benjamin, welcome. We we obviously know each other. Both of us know you because uh, you've won both the Trinity Bradfield Prize and you've also been part of the 21 to Watch program as well that Faye operates. But for those that don't know you, why don't you just do a quick introduction to tell us a little bit about yourself? So yes, um, I'm Benjamin Droguet. I'm a postdoc at the chemistry department working with Professor Silvia Vignolini uh, on bioinspired material. Okay, and that's the entry into the business plan competition. Do you want to just give us a little bit of a deeper dive into exactly what the technology does and some potential applications for it? Yeah, so we exploit the, the self-assembly properties of cellulose uh, such that it can reflect the color. And so we made reflective materials. So those materials can reflect uh, vivid colors, but also in the ultraviolet and infrared. Uh, so there's a wide range of application of those shiny materials around us, whether it's in cosmetic, I mean, we can think about a sunscreen, for instance, or, you know, all those cosmetic products that shine and that have vivid colors, so lipstick, facial foundations. But there is a wide market also besides this, you know, car paint, for instance, uh, you know, one car out of four in Europe has a metallic paint uh, using those shiny elements in it. Uh, packaging, we like to have shiny packaging with like gold finish, uh, you know, mm. uh, nice colors, food as well, fashion. So it's, a uh, yeah, those reflective materials are, are all around us. And Benjamin, we bumped into each other a couple of months ago and you were saying there's been lots of progress. Can you tell us what's been happening over the last few months? Yes, yeah, so a lot of exciting things. Um, so we have been discussing, obviously, with Cambridge Enterprise to, you know, um, know how, to, how to transfer the intellectual properties and how to exploit it. Um, also, like, uh, you know, keep on talking with potential customers, so developing the relationship. Um, also starting to gather, uh, you know, potential advisors uh, who can help us as well with fundraising. So we are actually now uh, starting to fundraise uh, because we have like all those pieces that finally came together uh, to enable us to, to spin out. It's great. Great to see your progress and all the best in the pitch. Thanks a lot. Yeah, good luck. Hi Max. Well, what an evening that was. Um, the finalists all did really polished pitches. Um, it was very interesting to pick up actually even more than what they'd said to us in the recordings from earlier on. And I think for me, what was really evident was the competition has taken these postdocs and some of them have been working on these ideas for three years, five years, 10 years, but they really, the, the, the process helped to turn it into a real business plan with the best possible chance of commercialization. And you really got that with some of the judges' questions. So before we get to the winners, I mean, I, I loved it. Why don't you tell us what your um, highlights were for the evening? And obviously, introduce yourself to the audience too. Thank you very much, uh, Faye. Hello, uh, my name is Maximilian G. I'm uh, president of Epoch, the entrepreneurial postdocs of Cambridge. And we are the co-host of the Christabel Postdoc Business Plan Competition together with Cambridge Enterprise. 
it's always great to see an active um, yeah, entrepreneurial community in action. And uh, as I mentioned earlier this evening, we have over 4,000 postdocs here in Cambridge. And one of the reasons uh, we organize this particular uh, event is that actually uh, the numbers show that only uh, one in 10 of the postdocs go into an academic job after um, they have been with us. And so uh, the question raises, what do all the other postdocs do? And uh, therefore, we are quite fortunate to be in this Cambridge entrepreneurial ecosystem where there's a lot of opportunity for those uh, that do research that have commercialization potential to go down this particular route. And the other thing which is really good about uh, this evening is that we are back here at uh, Downing College and it is actually the first time in three years that we are able to host uh, the grand finale in person again after the pandemic. And just to see the live kind of buzz and the noise in the room with all these people uh, makes a big impact and, and gives you extra energy uh, to move forward uh, with the ideas. That's great, Max. And, and thanks for taking the time to jump onto the podcast. It's also been a hectic evening. Um, before I ask you to uh, announce the winners in reverse order, of course, let me just take the opportunity to call out the other judges who judged the competition alongside yourself. So we had Christine, who we uh, heard from earlier in the podcast, uh, Robert Tansley from Cambridge Innovation Capital, and Pam Garside, who uh, is on the Cambridge Enterprise Investment Committee and has recently become the chair of Cambridge Angels. So a very esteemed panel. So with no further ado, would you be able to tell us the uh, the results in reverse order? <laughs> of course. Um, so th this prize, well, we have uh, three prize winners after uh, much deliberation. And we, <laughs> and, and I really, really like to stress that you know, our decision is not just solely uh, based on the brilliant pictures that we have uh, seen this evening, but really is the outcome of uh, a six months process uh, that we have gone through with um, all the uh, amazing postdocs that have entered this competition. Now, in third place, we have uh, Samuel McDermott from Autohem, which is making a 3D printed automated blood smear device that has in particular applications in developing countries. And in second place, we have Borong Hu with PowerSense. And PowerSense is a platform solution for renewable energy providers. And then in first place this year, we are really excited to have actually a postdoc with us who has been working on his company for many years, has gone through uh, the different support systems in the Cambridge Echo system, taken up all the advice that's been given, and now uh, winning the first prize of the Christabel Postdoc Business and Competition, we have uh, Benjamin Droguet uh, with Sparkcell, a company that creates sparkly, shiny color pigments in a sustainable way that is non-toxic. So Max, on those winners, I, I think it's great. I know James and myself are going to be super pleased that Benjamin won because he'd already won the Trinity Bradfield Prize and he'd already won 21 to Watch. So he's on a serious flow there with his, his, his winning streak. But on a serious note, actually, his presentation was super polished 
And, you know, he was really demonstrating that something in its current form is so damaging to the environment and what he has with biomass that he can replace it. I think he's rightfully the the winner of the project. And I, I know um, in terms of I was, I was sitting next to Desmond and PowerSense, I think is, is a great is also a great winner because wind farms are huge. You know, the potential for wind farms alone and not thinking about other markets as well. So I think all of them were brilliant, but it was it was really good to see those three um, named as the, as the final winners. James, have you have you got any thoughts? I mean, I, I think, Max, you made a really nice point that um, Benjamin has really leveraged the entire Cambridge ecosystem. You know, I think it's it's great that someone's so connected in terms of all of the available opportunities and support that Cambridge offers. So, you know, he's becoming a real poster child of the right way to do things. And uh, I think when we spoke, you know, when we spoke to him earlier in the evening before he was announced as the winner, he was at that point now where he's looking to raise money. And I'm sure, you know, with the evidence that he's now picked up from all of these successes around Cambridge, that's going to really stand him in good stead to have, you know, really good, serious conversations with investors. I think kind of shows that there is a wide agreement and support uh, for this, uh, obviously, to go forward. What really impressed us was the wide range of industry applications and the conversations uh, that he has already been having with industry. That is quite an important factor. What is also very important uh, to us in this uh, competition is the question of impact. And this follows along very closely with the mission of the University of Cambridge to do uh, good in society. We give out three prizes on a night, but um, all of the companies and the finalists and the semi-finalists, uh, they are all winners in a certain way because literally uh, all of these companies are receiving support, further support from Cambridge Enterprise and getting advice on how to develop their business and also uh, getting uh, access to other grant money funding through Cambridge Enterprise and its partners. So yes, uh, we're really encouraged to see the very high quality of applications that have uh, come through this year. Absolutely. And when, just before we let you go, when does the whole process start again? Yeah, I take it you get a little bit of a break and then it all starts all over. <laughs> it does, yes. Um, I mean, it is an annual competition that essentially concludes in early in November, typically, and we start the cycle end of April next year. Thank you so much. We better let you go back and celebrate with, with everyone else now. But thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much. What an evening that was. Um, a bit of a marathon, it has to be said, but a really great evening. And, you know, the finalists all, as I've said, they all presented so brilliantly. And it is really exciting. Like you said at the top of the podcast, James, won't it be exciting to see how these finalists and winners progress? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the exciting bit for me. It's just, you know, having this opportunity to talk to people very early on in their company formation, uh, you know, so... Maybe one of them will be the next Cambridge GAN Devices or Poratech. And of course, we actually spoke to Tong Tong Zhu, the CEO of Poratech, um, episode six, I think it was. So if you, if you haven't heard that episode yet, please go back into the archive and, and take a listen. Okay, so join us again next Sunday, where we'll be joined by Eben Upton of Raspberry Pi. Today's show was produced by Carl Homer of Cambridge TV and supported by our media partner, Business Weekly. 
The Cambridge Tech Podcast is available on all major podcast platforms and on cambridgetechpodcast.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please give it a five-star review. It will really help others discover the show. If you are a startup looking to grow in Cambridge, the Bradfield Centre offers a range of flexible membership packages which put you in control of your office and home working mix. There's a vibrant, collaborative atmosphere, on-site cafe, plenty of green outside space and regular member social events. For more information, visit bradfieldcentre.com or call 01223 919 600.